We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome into another Three Mob Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young of K State Online and Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. We're talking about a Big 12 opener at Oklahoma, primetime, Fox, all the fixings, boys, right? We're, we're thrilled for this matchup, excited for a top 25. Oh, that's right, K-State lost to Tulane this uh, past week, so the excitement is a little bit tempered here. But still, we'll get you uh, ready for K-State, Oklahoma. D.Y. caught up with Cooper Beebe. That offensive line had some issues, certainly against Tulane last week. We'll, uh, we'll get the lowdown from one of the horses' mouths themselves on what happened last week against Tulane up front for the Wildcats. Our locks of the week, all that that you've come to know and love here on these preview episodes, all to come. But first, we need to remind you to support Holiday Distillery. If you are going to be watching the game this weekend, make sure and load up on the 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, uh, whichever is your poison of choice. They've got you covered. Make sure that you're ready to go for your tailgates the rest of the year as well if you're going to be headed out to Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Holiday Distillery, K-Staters that have supported this show, so uh, continue to show some love to them and support them as we move forward here. All right, so the headlines for the week. I know this is really fitting basically the same theme that we had in the postgame show after Tulane, and that is that Adrian Martinez needs to be better. K-State needs to be better offensively. And the term that I believe Chris Kleiman used, D.Y., you were the only one in attendance at the press conference this week, but it was that he needs to cut it loose, which I will say, I mean, that is that is the correct thing to be saying right now. And it, it does sound like both sides confirmed that there was – Somewhat of a tough conversation had between Colin Klein, Adrian Martinez, and Chris Kleiman on that topic. So are we more optimistic about this? How how much better and or differently are you feeling about it now having rewatched the game? By the way, can I point out, D.Y. said he rewatched, he's rewatched the game three times now? Three, yeah. Glutton for punishment, Derek Young. This is what this man does to bring you guys content. He's rewatched it three times. So where are you at on all this? It's uh... – I was a little surprised that Chris Kleiman was as blunt as he was this week, but it's he's kind of hinted at it, but he was more direct about it this week. Colin Klein said that same thing about not playing to make a mistake two or three times. I know that there's this talking point, and maybe we can just jump into this part of the conversation that, you know, Kansas State's kind of coached the aggressiveness out of him to avoid the turnovers. But, man, it's it's hard to reconcile that with the way that they have discussed Adrian Martinez and not just in this past week or these past two or three weeks, but going back to the beginning of fall camp, which started at the beginning of August. I think we even heard about it, some of it in summer, them wanting him to not play paranoid or in fear. So I just have a hard time thinking that they are the ones that kind of fed into this hesitation that we are now seeing. Cole, are you feeling any better about it? Not really. Um, look, I've, I've been patient as you guys know, I've been positive around this, but I'm at the point where I have to believe it or I have to see it to really believe it. So I'm going to have to see him actually cut it loose. If I think this thing's going to change direction and change course. And look, Adrian Martinez has started 42 games now in his career. 
yeah, shouldn't have to have those conversations with a quarterback. And it's unfortunate they're at this situation. I feel bad for Adrian because it definitely seems like it's a mental block at this point. Um, but the coaches had to have this conversation and dialogue with him and you have to hope if it doesn't happen against Oklahoma after they acknowledge they had that conversation, then there's a problem. I would agree. And I also, it would be remiss to say, I think this might be a, a pretty tough game to try to light that up. Like that you haven't done it yet. Right. And then you're, you're all of a sudden going to be try to return to this old aggressive Adrian Martinez that has been turnover prone against probably the, the, the best, and not that he will commit a bunch of turnovers now, but I mean, it's if he really cuts it loose, that's going to invite that possibility, and you're probably playing the best team on your schedule. Well, he's well, that may be a debatable statement, we'll see. But to this right point, now, for sure, so right now, yeah. to this point, uh, he was 19 of 25 for 289, a touchdown and a pick last year against Oklahoma playing for Nebraska. So, I mean, you he has. That. He has seen these these dudes before and and been all right. That was a that was a pretty close game where Nebraska really put a scare into Oklahoma last year. And Chris Kleiman did also reiterate this week that he is the unquestioned starter. So there was no wavering on on that point publicly, even though he was blunt about the the conversation that they had. But I, I think would we all be in agreement here that you would rather see a, a three turnover performance if he is trying to cut it loose, at least go down swinging, so to speak, than than have it be the same kind of lifeless effort that we saw out of the offense uh, absolutely know, that last I mean, week for sure and, and really almost all three weeks of the season and that's that's the route that gives you a chance that's why i have no problem with him saying that adrian martinez is the unquestioned starter because cutting loose cutting adrian martinez loose and letting him be the old adrian that's the way you beat oklahoma yeah yeah as long as they're aggressive mistakes i have no problem with it at this point i'm ready to see that um if an interception occurs downfield so be it because they can't win in the current structure of the offense that they're running. It's just not going to work. They have to stretch defenses and keep them somewhat honest so that you can utilize your All-American in the running game. And again, as we mentioned the other day, the two times we've seen Adrian Martinez really throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field, they've been nice balls. He, he hit Phillip Brooks in the hands against South Dakota. It was a drop. And then, of course, last week, the touchdown pass to Cade Warner, which was a really nice ball in the end zone. So yeah. there, there is at least some hope there. Look, I'm, I'm trying to be a little more positive here. I had some people – who was it that said on social – someone on social media was like, oh, man, you know, Cole and D.Y. having to, like, prop John up and keep – I was like, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought oh, we were – You were pretty late, but here's what, here's what I will say about Martinez. It kind of just comes to my mind. He actually looks more comfortable – and in small sample size compared to the rest, he actually looks more comfortable throwing the ball downfield than he does to the short and intermediate route. Yeah. Sometimes when he's throwing those – just horizontal passes even. It looks like a guy with zero confidence in his arm at the moment because he really is guiding some of those throws, like almost like a shot put kind of motion. You know, the one time I saw him get in a rhythm against Tulane was right before K-State scored its first touchdown. I don't know if you saw it, D.Y. Um, and John on TV when you were watching, but he completed a couple consecutive passes to Malik Knowles, and I saw him motioning to the sideline, hurry up, hurry up, let's go, let's go, hurry up, run some plays, and he was starting to sling the ball around, um, and then he completed the touchdown pass to Cade Warner. Uh, that's when he looked like he was in a groove, but then he went ice cold after that and looked like he was seeing ghosts out there and couldn't cut it loose again. So I don't know, man. It's It's hard to say what's going on, but – Right now, he's 120th out of 121 FBS quarterbacks qualified in yards per pass attempt. Uh, that's just not going to get it done. So, will, yeah, to to your point, I, I I said it a couple times during the Tulane game. I think I might have said it at least once during South Dakota and Missouri as well. Like there is times where I think the biggest help to Adrian could be a little tempo. I mean, we saw that a little bit against South Dakota. And they're not operating slow by any means. I think they're they're pretty mundane average for college football thus far through three weeks. But man, another tick, especially when he hits on a throw or two, another tick faster I think would be good for Adrian. The, the risk there, though, is and, – and look, I understand. Go down swinging, like do whatever you think is going to be most comfortable for him. But you could also run into some three and outs – pretty quickly there if you continue to do that and we don't have much of a problem that was with the 
the what three for 20 on third and fourth down against Tulane and, and not being able to stay on the field and move the sticks. I mean, that could get you in trouble in a hurry against, against Oklahoma. But if, if they think it'll work, if they think he truly is more comfortable with that, whatever you got to do, because that clearly is issue number one. Now I'll sneak this in as a headline for this pod and this week going into the Oklahoma game, because they kind of dodged any bullets on the, the the post game pod after Tulane, but that's the offensive line getting pushed around up front by Tulane's defensive front in that game. And that certainly didn't help. I mean, look, Adrian Martinez has his issues. The receivers have their issues, but Deuce Vaughn was cramping up and had to miss eight minutes of the game at the back end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter, which didn't help. And the offensive line was getting pushed around a little bit by a Tulane front that you would have figured would not have been as good as Missouri's, but K-State had a lot more success running the ball against the Tigers the week before. And I know, D.Y., this is one of the things you really focused in on your rewatch uh, is looking at the offensive line. I mean, how how high does that rank on the list of issues that this team has right now or, or concerns for a position group that we felt like was pretty strong with this team? Yeah, well – they, they have some improvement to do. I'm not going to panic too much about them because I thought they were above average against South Dakota and Missouri and, and certainly on a trajectory to be, you know, continue to improve and be a pretty good salty unit by midway through the season. And they took a giant step back against Tulane. I think that was a disappointing performance from them. I don't know if you want to put it on focus, concentration, missed assignments, you know, a chemistry problem. It's not just losing Taylor Portier, uh, especially since one of the better offensive linemen in that game was Taylor Portier's replacement in Hadley Panzer. Now, they all had their whiffs and, and their bad plays, but there was only a group of them that had some really good plays and were consistent at any moment. So, um, And one of my takeaways, too, and that kind of connects to that, is I think Adrian Lane game needs to play a little bit more. Um, I don't know how you want to align your offensive line, but yeah, you get your best five on the field, and I think he's one of your best five at this moment. And I actually do think KT Lawson was playing pretty well. Um, he had the cramping issues just like Deuce Vaughn, and I think that kind of negated his ability a little bit at the left tackle position. They probably had him out there more than they should have because it, it hindered his ability. Yeah, I mean, you guys saw in the group text, I was putting a lot of the stuff and the issues on the offensive line during the game on Saturday. I, it was an unacceptable performance against a two-lane front that – didn't even have its starting nose tackle, and they were bulldozing Hayden Gillum at the center position and getting pressure right up the middle. Offensive line was missing assignments up front. Uh, it, it can't happen. I mean, you, you can't. You got to pick up some of these third and fourth and shorts. And Kansas State's offensive line got bullied and pushed around. And I thought they played a little bit flat in that game. I know that they're in a tight predicament when teams are loading the box and teams are taking away Deuce Vaughn in the running game. I completely understand that, but it's not like it's anything new for Kansas State football and in the Chris Kleiman era and dating back to Bill Snyder. I mean, you knew that K-State was going to line up and run the ball in third and fourth and short. The offensive line historically has gotten push and gotten the first down, and that didn't happen on Saturday. Not only that, they, they were getting tackled in the backfield for losses on occasion, um, and I thought some of Adrian Martinez's errant throws were because they couldn't pick up pass protection and he was under pressure. I think back to the the Philip Brooks pass that sailed out of bounds. You know, he had a guy running right at him. Now he still needs to make that throw downfield, but he was under pressure. And so it, it's odd to say because one of the most interesting statistics to me when you look at this is Adrian Martinez hasn't been sacked yet. Like you think about all the the sacks that he had at Nebraska and the offensive line and the QB pressures. South Dakota a few times? I was, yeah, was he, he had okay didn't he get he, blasted? Did he fumble? Is that he why? Did. I think we had he, sacked you, three times against South Dakota. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'd have to go back then and look. I, I do recall the South Dakota one when he stri got stripped and fumbled. Um, and it might be because I was looking at team rankings, which takes out FCS opponents. Uh, he hasn't been sacked okay. in the last two games. So they strip out the stats against FCS. So that's probably where my issue is. So he hasn't been sacked the last two games, which is still significant because you think about Missouri's pass rush and then, you know, Darius Hodges at the DN position for Tulane led the American Conference last year, 15 and a half tackles for loss. It, it's just interesting to me that he has mostly avoided sacks um, so far. And I don't know if that's a product of him, you know, just panicking and getting rid of the football and not letting things develop. And that's another situation where he's being risk averse 
or if it's, you know, there's been a lot of times where I've seen him hold on to the football longer than he probably should and not let it sail and maneuver the pocket and avoided pressure. I don't know what to make of it. The bottom line is the offensive line has to be a hell of a lot better against Oklahoma because they're playing a defensive line and a defense that leads the country with 32 tackles for loss and is fifth in the country with 4.3 sacks per game. So Brent Venables is going to bring stunts and pressure at this offensive line, and they're going to have to communicate. And the biggest concern I have about this game is it's the first road game in a new offensive system, and it's in a huge stadium. It's going to be loud. It's the first road game for Colin Klein's offense, the offensive coordinator. And we've already seen them having communication issues just on Saturday against Tulane where the receivers were run blocking downfield and Adrian Martinez threw it into the stands. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned. And as less than stellar as the offensive line was um, at blocking, the tight ends might've been worse. <laughs> yeah. With lots of discussion about uh, the tight ends. I, I mean, Cole's Cole's boys is Sammy Wheeler. I think D wise boy is Ben Sinnott. You know, a little, little both, clash between those two in terms of how they, they played potentially well, Saturday. Both have to be tremendously better than they were. Sinnott's, I was trying to stir a little something up there. Yeah, well, Sinnott probably had a little bit more good, but they were both uh, less than desirable. I, I trust DY's evaluation. Um, there is some footage out there on the internet that's not favorable for either one of them. Um, some situations that just can't happen. They got to get They got to get better too. Otherwise, you know, if Sammy Wheeler is not going to be a better blocker either, then you probably need to go to Will Swanson and give the redshirt sophomore an opportunity to get on the field. You know, he's bigger. He's probably a little more physical. And if they're not going to utilize Wheeler more in the passing game, you know, downfield, then they probably have to go to more of your prototypical tight end in Swanson and get him on the field more. And my thing with Ben Sitton is I think he was a better fullback than he is a tight end, which he's playing kind of the H right now, but. Yeah, I think he isn't. Isn't he a wide receiver? By that's I thought he was a wide receiver because that's what I see him play more than any anything else. I mean, they do. They'll they'll use him in that little cluster with with three receivers out wide. I mean, you're you're not you're not wrong, but I think it's like a desperate times, desperate measures situation. They just don't have a whole lot of receiver right now in terms of production. Now, you know, maybe they were getting open more on on Saturday, and we just weren't aware of it. I would not know watching on TV, but. I digress. There are problems all across the board on offense, as we have outlined there, and that covers most of the headlines. But look, I'm going to be positive here for the third headline this week, okay? Who has played Oklahoma better in this league than Chris Kleiman since he stepped into the league in 2019? The answer is nobody. He's 2-1, and one, and the one loss was, was relatively close last year in Manhattan. So they were at least competitive with Oklahoma, and – Obviously won in 2019 in the massive upset at home. And then immediately after losing to Arkansas State, by the way, similar position to where K-State's at right now, they went and beat them in Norman in 2020. So there's some good news. There should be no fear factor, right, for climbing and all these guys going to play the Sooners. To be fair, and I'll let Cole kind of take this one because he kind of knows the historical stuff between the two programs far better than me, but it extends farther than just climbing. I mean, Kansas State in general has been more of a thorn in Oklahoma side than just about any team in the Big 12. I'm not sure if it's going to pan that way, pan out that way on Saturday, but man, I mean, 2018 was not pretty, but even in 2017, um, it took a final drive from Oklahoma to win in Manhattan. And then I know there's the 55 to nothing ball game, but there's a couple wins from Bill Snyder and they're dating back to you know, 12, 13, 14 as well. So um, I, th- I think I saw, maybe I'm wrong. It's can't say four and six in their last 10 games against Oklahoma, I want to say. So this extends beyond Chris Kleiman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of in between in the outcomes of this history. There's, there's either really close and competitive or it's a blowout. You know, you recall the 2011 game when there was a lot of hype going into that matchup and Kansas state was ranked eighth, Oklahoma was sixth and Oklahoma, 14-14, and then they blew the doors off K-State in Manhattan in the second half and won in dominant performance. But you're right, 2017, again, Alex Delton was starting a quarterback. Nobody thought Kansas State had a chance, and they led 21-10 to at halftime against Baker Mayfield and that offense and led for much of the second half still. Um, so it's been an unpredictable matchup. Uh, so hopefully Kansas State bounces back. And, again, I, I think – 
if you're a K-State fan, where you're optimistic in this matchup is they got nothing to lose now. Nobody thinks they have any shot of winning this game. This was a wake-up call against Tulane. I'm not saying Oklahoma is going to overlook K-State, but maybe early on they might be, you know, it's this natural reaction. I didn't think K-State would overlook Tulane with the veteran leadership they had. And it looked to me like K-State came out flat. So it happens with college kids, especially there's a chance that occurs. And K-State, like I said, has nothing to lose. And Adrian Martinez can just cut it loose, take some chances, run some trick plays, throw everything out there and have some fun. Yeah, let's see what happens, man. I mean, when they have one, like 2012 and 2014, for instance, it's it's really launched them to bigger and better things throughout the season. Those were the two best Snyder 2.0 seasons, basically. I guess you could debate 14 versus 11, obviously. But two of the three best Snyder 2.0 seasons uh, included wins in Norman. It kind of helped push them there and get them there. And then 2019, I mean, the best year that, that Chris Kleiman had in terms of the regular season, that was obviously buoyed by a win over the Sooners as well. So, look, we'll uh, we'll hope for the best as far as that is concerned. We, we touched on the offensive line, some of the issues there that they've been a part of with the offense. Uh, we've heard a lot from Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn throughout the first couple of weeks of the season, but D.Y. this time uh, caught up with Cooper Beebe. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Derek Young with a three-mile conversation of the week. I'm here with Cooper Beebe. It's the first time you've been a guest this year. Obviously, probably not wanting to be the guest after this particular game. I guess what was the, we'll start with what was the most frustrating part about uh, the Saturday game against Tulane? Um, the most frustrating part was just the lack of execution on third, fourth downs. Um, you know, I think we went like two for 15 on third downs and like one for five on fourth downs. You know, it's just frustrating, you know, because all those were short yardage situations. And, you know, not to come up with those was just super frustrating. You know, that really, you know, turned out. I mean, that's the factor that really led to our offense sweater is just not being able to execute. Was there a repetitive issue at all for some of those things not coming forward, or is there a multitude of problems? No, it's just all, all it comes down to is execution. You know, it's there's no one you know play call that they you know they can call that's going to magically get you the first down. Um, it's just execution. You know, just lack of it. Um, you know, here and there, you know, miss block or miss assignment. You know, that's what really killed us on those crucial downs. When you watch the tape of of kind of a performance like that, which wasn't necessarily all that flattering, uh, does that just get you angrier when you have to rewatch it all over again, or is it still kind of a learning tool? Um, it's definitely a learning tool because you know when you look back, you know even like they say it's not as bad as you think it is, and there's still a lot of you know good things that happen for us. But you know it's definitely gets a little frustrating, you know after when you have to watch, you know. Uh, you get your butt kicks. I mean, really, that's that's what happens. So it gets frustrating, you know, watching it over again. 
you were here also when it happened against Arkansas State, and the next week you guys came back and you beat Oklahoma on the road. Just so it's the same situation as this, but what can you kind of take away from that experience? I know you weren't playing a ton yet, but you were starting to get your feet wet. Um, yeah, just you know, just telling the guys, you know, we've been here before, and you know, um, you know, we got to put that you know game to the pass, and you no, know, quite frankly, we're zero and zero as far as I'm concerned. You know, Big Twelve play starts now, so you got to put all the stuff um, to the side and get ready for the season. What's the key to kind of getting off the mat and responding to this kind of adversity? You know, just attack attacking the week and going out and execute. Um, you know, the lack of execution, uh, speaking for the offense, was something that, you know, was out there on display. And, you know, I think just bouncing back, you know, preparing more, you know, and just going out there and execute and just, you know, letting it, letting it go free. I mean, just play, you know, there's nothing, nothing to lose. You know, just go out there, you know, give it your all and just execute. You guys have Adrian Martinez, a quarterback now, and I think you guys are still kind of building that cohesion, so to speak, that chemistry. Does it still kind of feel like you're trying to get this machine to work and you haven't quite clicked yet? Um, at, at times, yeah, but, I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's anything on Adrian's side. I think it's just, you know, us not being able to execute, you know, not giving him enough time to throw or, you know, not opening enough holes for the run game. So I don't think it's anything with him. I think, you know, we got to be better up front for sure. Was uh, was that one of the weaker films probably that you've watched in terms of how the offensive line performed as a whole? Um, not Yeah, I mean, we had our moments. Um, you know, I still think there's a lot of good out there. Um, obviously, you know, there's still – a lot of learning that can be done. But overall, I didn't think it was a bad performance on the line. Andrew Langang starting to play more and more, kind of forced into that action, of course, because TP's injured. KT went down a little bit during last week's game. Is, is he becoming more and more ready for this moment? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, something that Coach Riley talked about was getting more dudes involved. Um, you know, out there it was hot. And, you know, it, you know, speaking of KT, you know, he was he was cramping. And that's one of the issues, you know, and Coach Riley talked about, you know, he's going to try to get more dudes involved, you know, kind of take a couple reps off people here and there, you know, so we can stay fresh. Do you, you get, you've kind of been a part of both wins against Oklahoma or just the one? Uh, just the one, yeah. Okay, well, you guys have beaten Oklahoma two of the last – uh, three times you played them. Does it still feel like you're the hunter and, and as the underdog in this kind of game? Um, you know, not really. I mean, obviously, you know, nobody's, you know, everybody's counting us out. You know, we're, we're used to that. I mean, it is, I think most teams that play Oklahoma are always counted out. Um, but we're not going into it thinking, you know, we can't handle these guys or we can't compete with them. You know, we're going in, you know, like we said, we've been here before, we've beat them, you know, before, so it's nothing that we can't handle. Because of that perception of what, you know, the national perception of you guys and the national perception of them, is this one of the games you kind of look forward to playing the most? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm I'm excited to experience, you know, what a full stadium looks like. You know, obviously last time we were there, it was COVID, so there was, there was nobody there really. Um, so I'm excited, you know, to see and go on the road and see what, you know, full Oklahoma's like. Coach Kleiman alluded to this, but their defense is still a bit of a mystery just because they've thrown so many different looks. Mm-hmm. Those all those multiple looks that they've thrown, it's probably not a you know a philosophical thing. They're probably still trying to find what works the best for them. Does that make preparing for this a little bit more difficult? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, like like you said, you know, watching the three games from this, you know, they've had a different defense um, structure every every game, so it obviously makes it tough. It's just a little more time you got to put into it. But you know, when it comes down to it, you know, like. One of their three-three-five defenses, you know, looks exactly like ours defense. I know we've been through that before. We've been against four-man fronts. So when it comes down to it, it's just being able to execute, you know, your rules and principles, and you know, we'll be prepared for whatever. When looking at those things and and trying, you know, when you have to plan out for multiple defenses, is it more just where the gaps are going to be and have to, having to be aware of that and whose assignment is what? Yeah, so, yeah, it just depends on, you know, obviously, you know, somebody's got to fit some gap, you know, whether whichever way they structure their defense, you know, they're not just going to leave an open gap. So just figuring out who's going to fit that and how their defense is going to align is really the key. Another question I have, you guys have already mentioned how you're trying to get more guys in on the offensive line and and you're kind of having to deal with a little bit of the injury bug. You know, as you said, KT had to deal with with the cramps last week. 
Is there is is it still a, a possibility we see you back at left tackle, or you were a first team All Big Twelve choice? Um, you know, I I don't know. Um, that's really up to Coach Riley. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed. You know, if that means you know giving somebody some time off and maybe having Dawson or somebody else step in to guard. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But it really just comes down to whatever Coach Riley wants to do. And as the guys that kind of run behind you, you got Deuce, but DJ Giddens is starting to kind of go into his role a little bit and embracing maybe some more responsibility. Have you noticed him grasping um, just what he's supposed to do and where he's supposed to be a little bit more, or is that still a work in progress at this point? No, I think DJ, you know, has done a great job. You know, he's a dude that goes out there, you know, works really hard, you know, and he's really understanding, you know, what we're trying to do as an offense, and I think he's, you know, much improved. Hadley Panther, still pretty young. I think a lot of people forget that. He's starting a right guard, but technically he's still a freshman because he redshirted. Um, what, what, are, what, what is your uh, assessment of him at this point? Because, I mean, he's really green, but he's being thrown into the fire. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's done a really good job. Um, you know, I think he's a dude that really understands football, understands how, how the game works. You know, like we talked about earlier, how defenses fits. I think that's one of the things – that helped me be successful and I see that in him too and you know he's a big strong physical you know Kansas kid and you know I think he does a great job there on the interior you know he can move dudes around and overall I thought he did really well where will Oklahoma test you guys as an offense the most um I think just the different you know funky looks that we get you know just from watching film there's a lot of you know things that you know they'll line up different all different sorts of different places and you know just understanding our rules and principles i think is a big key because you know they give all different you know funky looks and you know you're not sure what's coming just you know falling back on those rules and principles are really key this week all right that's cooper bb on all big 12 offensive tackle now an offensive guard with three mall conversation of the week I right, appreciate Cooper BB taking some time for us on the podcast this week for uh, DY's DY's conversation of the week. Can we can we change the name to DY's conversation of the week instead of the three months? I guess conversation yeah. of the week. Okay, we start calling it that. I, I want you to next time you go to interview a player. Okay, I want you to walk up and be like, "All right, Adrian, you just threw for 450 yards on Oklahoma and led K State to an upset win. Now you're sitting down for DY's <laughs> weekly conversation. Okay, yeah. I just want you to do that next time." Make sure you lead off with it. Uh, this is where I wish I had a nice, smooth transition to the DraftKings read, but I have nothing. I think this is the first time I've failed with that uh, on, on the three-mile pod so far since we've had these. But look, we know you're all watching football. If you live in Kansas, we know a lot of you do. It's time to bust out that DraftKings app. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins and you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KCSN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, now we turn to the Oklahoma Sooners preview. And Cole, I know you you mentioned a little bit the prowess of the defense so far this year for the Sooners. Dylan Gabriel has certainly had some bright moments uh, on the offense for Oklahoma, working with Jeff Levy now, the uh, former UCF quarterback. He even showed off his legs with a really impressive 40-plus-yard touchdown run against Nebraska last week. And Oklahoma, frankly, was firing on all cylinders. They've been pretty good two of the three weeks here. Kent State first half was a real slog where they were trailing 3 to nothing until the very, very end of the first half, but they turned it on to the second there's a lot to like, certainly, about what uh, what Brent Venables has shown so far, albeit against, uh, you know, debatably weak competition. Yeah, for sure. And I thought that Brent Venables and Oklahoma would get off to a bit of a slow start, and I thought they'd take a, ba- a step back this season, and I think I'm going to be wrong on that front. They look really sharp, really, in all facets of the game. I, I dig through the numbers. I watch them play. I can't find a lot of holes in the game right now. Like you acknowledged UTEP, Kent State, a Nebraska team that's fired their coach. But I'll be honest, I thought Oklahoma would struggle a bit in Lincoln. 
on Saturday. I mean, we saw that betting line move from 14 and a half to 11. The Sharps were on Nebraska and Nebraska got out seven, nothing right off the bat, looked sharp. And then it just went downhill for the Cornhuskers from there. So I was impressed with how they dominated Nebraska, you know, with an interim coach, I thought the Huskers would come out inspired and that didn't occur. Uh, Venables has that team clicking and kind of the scary thing is to me, when you look at them now is with Lincoln Riley, you could always count on them having a dynamic offense. And now Venables has brought that defensive mindset to the program. And they've been really good on that side of the ball. Again, it's all relative to the opponents and who they played, but they're, they're giving up 0.72 points per drive right now on the year, which is seventh best in the country. I mentioned earlier, they're leading the, the country in tackles for loss with 32. They've got 4.3 sacks per game, which is top five in the country. They're 16th in pass efficiency defense. You name it, they've been dynamic on that side of the ball. Um, and so now you've got that, and it appears the offense is still rolling, largely because of Jeff Levy who really was probably Venable's most important hire and they hire him from Ole Miss. And John, you mentioned Dylan Gabriel coming from UCF. I had forgotten. I went back. Jeff, Jeff Levy was Gabriel's offensive coordinator and quarterback coach in 2019 at UCF. And I, I discounted that before the season. There's a familiarity with those two already. So it's not surprising that they pick things up right off the bat and they've been sharp offensively and, Look, Gabriel's Gabriel's a stud, man. He's got 77 touchdowns, I think, and 14 interceptions in his career. Um, just dynamic numbers. Has thrown for nearly 9,000 yards um, in his career. And, you know, this is year four of him playing college football. And he's got seven touchdowns and no picks this year. So he's been really good as well. And, and they got some weapons on the offensive side of the football. I mean, I, I still tend to – I still tend to think that there will be a moment where they come back down to earth – but that could just be me sticking by the same prediction that I had as you in the offseason, which was that they would lose a half step here under under Venables. I wasn't predicting some major demise, but I thought that the offense would take enough of a step back from being totally elite like it was under Lincoln Riley. And uh, hey, perhaps I'm wrong, but let's let's see them go through the Big 12 schedule because I don't know. It's hard to know what to make of that Nebraska game. A lot of the conditions did seem to be there for them to rise up and you know win one for the Gipper or whatever for. Uh, Mickey Joseph, the interim head coach, cool. I understand all that motivation there, but it's still just a Nebraska team and program that's been in total, total disarray. So I, I don't I don't really know what to make of that game last week in Lincoln. Again, not saying that that pertains a ton to this K-State game because I'm not real optimistic about the way things are going to go this Saturday, but as we go through the Big 12 schedule, let's, let's just see. Maybe this is because, Cole, I'm becoming very desperate because, look, I mean, my – popular targets throughout the offseason and just in general. I mean, Kansas is 3-0. and Iowa State's 3-0. and They beat their rival for the first time in like 100 years, the first time for Matt Campbell, captain 7-5 and himself. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma, who I was yeah, – I've sparred quite a bit with Oklahoma fans throughout this offseason where they cried like babies uh, for the last six months after Lincoln Riley left them high and dry. No, none of that's really coming up real well for your boy right now. So you still I, got Mizzou. <laughs> I do have Mizzou. I do have Mizzou. Little, little mouthy for my liking. Uh, just a week after they, they took one on the chin from K State last week. But hey, whatever. Get your shots in. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little impotent right now. I don't have a whole lot to say because I can't. I don't have much to say. Like my enthusiasm for coming after Missouri has been dampened after, after the Tulane game. John, you're going to be in a uh, a dark place if Iowa State beats Baylor and KU beats Duke, and those two are playing each other in a four and zero matchup. Yeah, each. well, in game day, uh, Travis Goff seems to think that game day would still show up to that, judging by his tweet when game day decided to go to to Tennessee and Florida. Which, yeah. I mean, like by the way, I, if I were not associated with this rivalry, I would probably complain about that. That seems like a sort of lame move from college game day to do that instead of going to Lawrence. It's a very, uh, yeah, I don't know why they went to, I mean, it's the sec. That's why. Well, yeah, but, there's, we know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why, but like wake forest would have been a good call too, right? Yes. Wake forest Clemson this week. Right. I, I agreed with the decision. So <laughs> I was, I was completely, I, yeah, I would definitely. No, your, boy, your boy, John Curry could have got it. Yeah. Well, look, True. I said this on the last podcast. What did it take? You know, K-State had the greatest story in college football and the greatest turnaround, and it took, what, six, seven years into that to get college game day? KU wins two games against FBS teams, and 
they should get college game day because it's a cool story. Oh, it was longer. It was nine years, Cole. They didn't come until 98. All right. Well, I mean, I was talking more like after 93, once they really got things rolling, okay. you know, and that, you know, won nine, 10 games a year and didn't get it until 1998. But anyways, I digress. Oklahoma, I'll tell you one of the, the concerns that I have in this game, D.Y. John, is the pace of play and Jeff Levy's offense. We just saw K-State's offense put the defense on the field in awful situation after awful situation against Tulane. And if that happens again, this could get really ugly in K-State's defense, which has been terrific. You know, K-State's number three in the country in pass efficiency defense right now. They're in the top 15 in points per drive allowed. Couldn't ask for anything more of what they're doing. But if you put them on the field repeatedly against this OU offense, it's going to be a problem. And the reason being, if you look at Jeff Levy over the last three years as an offensive coordinator, Central Florida in 2019, they were sixth in the country in plays per game at 79. And then the last two years at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin, they ranked fourth in the country each year and plays per game with over 80. So they're going to play a quicker tempo than anything K-State's seen so far this year. And if that offense isn't staying on the field and being productive for K-State and giving the defense some breaks, it'll be problematic for K-State. So that's that's one of my concerns as well, especially if, if Nate Matlack can't give it a go, right? Because then you're down another body you really need to rely on to get after the quarterback to help Felix and Udike Uzama out on the defensive line. Um, you got to hope Matt Lack's back and he can be effective because, you know, one of the things that OU has struggled in is protecting Gabriel. It's a bit surprising to me, but they, they've given up an 8% sack rate so far in the year, which is 102nd out of 131 FBS teams. And you know Oklahoma doesn't have anybody behind Gabriel that's proven at the quarterback position. And Gabriel broke his collarbone last year in the second or third game at Louisville uh, when he threw an interception and broke it. So, you know, they don't want him taking many hits. So if I'm K-State, I'm trying to put him on his back, um, not necessarily to hurt him, but maybe rattle him a little bit. And that's going to be a key matchup. It sounded like you said. Not, not, let, me, let me just lay out his entire injury history. And how he <laughs> broke his collarbone last year after he threw a pick. And then, but, you know, I don't want him to get hurt. I'm just going to insinuate that he might get hurt and then you wouldn't have to face uh, only hurt enough to uh, okay. Well, you get get banged up. You can stay in the game, but maybe not be as effective. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you want you want you want K State to Justin Herbert him is what you're saying. That works for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, they hurt they hurt Michael Pratt at Tulane last week. I mean, he was hobbling around the field, but then he he makes K State's defense look kind of silly near the end of the game. Again, not I'm not going to throw throw shade at the K State defense. So yeah, can't ask for much more from them. Same here. Uh, D.Y., in all seriousness, uh, Matlack update based on what you heard at the presser, what you hear behind the scenes. How, how confident are you? Yeah, behind the scenes, I, I actually shared it on our site before Chris Kleiman gave an update. but Which was, you can sign up for for $1 right now. Yeah, you can. Party. Yep. But I, I called it a game-time decision, and Chris Kleiman kind of reiterated that. It, it's. I think it was more – it's going to be a more of a one one-and-a-half-week thing. He's got a chance to play. I don't know how great it is. Um, we'll see if – I wonder if he'll make the trip because if he makes the trip, it means that we're going to at least test it out. If he doesn't, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I He's at least going to be available for the Texas Tech game. Okay. So not not terrible news on the Nate Matlack front. You guys know we have real creative names for the, the way we segment out this podcast. It's not time for quick hitters. What's that? Say quick hitters, baby. Great hitters. name. That's right. It is quick hitters. Uh, we learned after the game that Deuce Vaughn had cramps. That was the issue that kept him out for – I saw Kellis, Big J Journo said that uh, it was like eight minutes basically of, of game time, six minutes in the third quarter, a couple minutes in the fourth quarter before he came back in. So true or false, the outcome of the Tulane game changes if Deuce Vaughn is, is totally healthy, doesn't have to deal with the cramps at all. False. I don't know if they can – I mean, they barely got in the end zone when he was healthy. I mean, I think it's false. I think they still lose. False. Yeah, they, they weren't moving the football with Deuce Vaughn in the game either. The bottom line is you don't block people. He can't make everybody miss, and they weren't blocking people. I mean, the only resistance I would provide to that is that, like, like remember the Baylor game last year? I mean, they just had nothing offensively the entire day, couldn't do anything. Skylar Thompson played one of his worst games, and then there was the one moment where Deuce popped the touchdown run, like the the really long, I don't know, 60-plus yard touchdown run. Like, you, you – that possibility is there, and I understand you lost the game by seven, but had they gotten one of those, 
earlier on before Clemson had or Clemson Tulane. I wish it was Clemson before <laughs> Tulane scored to to go ahead. Um, I think it could have dramatically changed. You're, I mean, he's the home run threat, so yeah. you always have that chance when he's in there. So yeah. that's the argument for sure. But I mean, it's funny that you say that though, because I kind of summarized the offense a lot the last week. It's kind of been my go-to. It's kind of just hoping and praying that Deuce Vaughn breaks loose. That's the offense right now. Yep. Yeah, it really is. Felt felt very hopeless on Saturday every time they took the field. I mean, I honestly was sitting there every time K-State's defense forced them to punt and it wasn't a turnover. I, I thought that was K-State's best chance to score was the defense. Yeah, you know, that's why I noticed when Drake Cheatham dropped that pick six. I mean, that really, I did. Yeah, I did too because – I honestly, I felt like if K-State could get up by seven, they were going to be okay because that defense is so good. But, man, that's depressing that you really had to feel like the defense or special teams was going to have to score. And we didn't – not to go back to Tulane, we didn't talk about that, but they really neutralized K-State special teams. I mean, that's a battle that K-State's always going to have to win. And credit to Tulane, K-State couldn't get anything in the return game, kick returns, punt returns. And, uh, you know, K-State also wasn't that effective punting the football. So, you know, they, they won that battle when you really look at it. Tulane did. I'll be curious how Tulane finishes this season. Well, well they got Houston in two weeks. That'll be an interesting matchup. That will be. I'm going to put uh, positive Cole to the test here because, you know, Cole's turning over a new leaf. He's positive about everything, especially basketball right now. What number is higher this year? K-State basketball conference wins – or K-State football overall wins. So, you know, Cole Bas- wants to be positive about basketball and football at the same time. How does how does he reconcile this? I feel like I've got him pinned down. Uh, the basketball conference wins. You know, I I love Jerome Tang and this basketball staff right now, and they, and they haven't lost a game yet. So I'm going to I'm gonna take their side, and uh, I'll say they – I think they're going to win nine conference games. Nine and here's, nine. Here's how here's how I thought about it because I saw the question on the outline. I actually looked at the outline this week, even though you said I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I, I just assume Dy hasn't looked at an outline. I mean, the Powercat game day outlines. I don't think you've looked at one since like I, 2019. I, 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 say, I, I, I looked at one or two ever. I, for some reason, I looked at the outline tonight and I saw this question. And the way I look at this question is, which one is more likely to win eight games? Because I think that's almost like the, the the benchmark kind of thing. And I think it's to the basketball team. I think they're more likely to go eight and 10 during big 12 play than we are to see an eight and four football season. Yeah. I got K-State in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I've said that multiple times with the Keontae Johnson addition, assuming he's healthy and hopefully they can get Desi Sills on campus. And if I'm going to have K-State in the NCAA tournament, I'm going to have them winning more games than football at this point. Cause that's going to take at least eight, eight conference wins. Well, we're counting on Desi Sills. I mean, a rotational, two. rotational piece. They need another guard, so they're gonna. And if he'll be good by, I mean, it'd probably kind of a ramp up since he'd be not making it until October. I understand that, but and you think? And that, that's all I'm saying, by the way. That's not a comment on Desi Sills' ability at all. Yeah, so, yeah. No, but getting. at least my Big Twelve play will be. He should be. Uh, that's the point. That's the point. Dy right? Okay. Big yeah. Twelve play. They'll have him ramped up by then. Fair enough. All right, Big 12 play. I, for the record, I, I do tend to agree with you guys. I, I think it's feeling – this is feeling like a 7-5 and five football team, and it's – I get the – I would just go like 8-10 and 10 for basketball. I'm not – That's how I – Bullish yeah. is cold, but I, I think they could get to 8-10. and Because I'm playing it safe until we actually see some of these guys in a K-State uniform. I mean, I'm, look, this is not – I'm not trying to cut them down at the knees at all here, but, I like, I barely watched some of these players at their last team. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there because this is another one. I, I don't know if it's all like a coal barometer here, but this is more like a barometer for my theory on Venables going into the year that Oklahoma was going to take a bit of a step back. Yeah. If you were given the chance to take any coach from a fellow big 12 school right now, how, how high is Brent Venables on that list? Well, the two, the top two is Gundy and Aranda. So you, he's below those two for sure. You would take like, if you're, if you're at K-State, you would take, Gundy before you would like Matt Campbell or Lance Leipold? Yeah, I think so. That's a tough one for me. And it's like, I respect the hell out of Gundy, but I mean, he's an Oklahoma state guy. He's been there for so long. Uh, he's, he's maybe he's not all, he's probably about the same age as Leipold, right? I'll look it up. Cole, you can. Who would yeah, you but he looks a little bit more spry. I don't know. I would take Gundy before Leipold. 
Campbell, prop. Yeah, I know. I would take Gundy out of those three. Yeah. Right. Gundy, Gundy's 55, so I think that's three years younger than Leipold. Yeah, I'll get Gundy. Uh, I really like Neil Brown. Uh, <laughs> so a little bit torn there. Um, that's a really good question. Again, I wish I would have looked at the outline so I could prepare myself for it as I'm trying to stall here. Um, well, I'll give you, let me give you my, I'll give you my list because yeah. I, I would still have him fifth. Uh, I'm, I would take. After the four we already mentioned. It, yeah. And really no particular, particular order outside of Aranda. Dave Aranda is who I'd want the most. Um, but I it, like Aranda, Leipold, Campbell, Gundy. I think you would take those guys right now. And that could change by the end of the year, but that for right now, uh, that, that's where I would have Venables and things. I, I would take, I would take Aranda. I wouldn't have Matt Campbell in there just because isn't he kind of just matching what we're already seeing at, at Kansas state? I mean, seven, eight wins. More or less. Is it, it's not that different of a job. Um, I, I think I would take Venables third. I think I would have Venables over Leipold and uh, Matt Campbell. I yeah, would. I mean, really over Leipold, huh? You, you think it's all about, <clears throat> is this because you think it's all about Jalen Daniels and an inherited quarterback or what? That's part of it. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm a little skeptical till we'll see. Okay. But I mean, it, I should be saying the same thing about Venables. He's coached yeah, three I've, games as a head coach. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. But I will say, and, and a lot of this is resource driven. Venables make good hires too. Jeff, Jeff Levy, great hire. And that's part of coaching. It is. Well, speaking of Mike Gundy, he had some very pointed comments about Bedlam ending, which we learned this week is, is going to be a thing, at least in football and at least for now. Yeah. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are not going to play the game. It basically sounds like Oklahoma was willing to play it still, and Oklahoma State said, like, ah, oh, we're scheduled out, which let's be clear here. This works the same way, like, if somebody in your life is like, hey, why won't you text me back? And you say, like, oh, I'm just so busy. It's been tough. Like, no, look, everybody's busy. If it means enough to you, you'll respond. You'll shoot the text back. It's the same deal here. Yeah, Oklahoma State, you're scheduled out. We understand that. You can get out of that to play Oklahoma and have Bedlam happen every year if you really wanted to. However, I don't really blame them for being standoffish about it because Oklahoma is the real reason this is happening because they they left the damn conference. So uh, where do you guys fall? Who's more to blame here? Because Mike Gundy's basically saying, look, it is what it is. No hard feelings that they're leaving, but they left. So they're the reason this isn't happening. Yeah, screw them, right? Um, no, I think it's more Oklahoma's fault. I still fall in that line. They're the ones that... I mean, if they didn't leave the conference, there would still be Bedlam. So that's the way, that's how I – it's that simple for me. When it comes to the scheduled out thing, it's it's a little bit of an excuse. I get that just to kind of buy you some cover from your fans that would probably want to have it. But at the same time, if you were to to cancel a game, you're probably going to cancel one of your buy games, right? And then Oklahoma State's then playing 11 Power 5 teams instead of 10. So I can see that a little bit. Well, yeah. maybe they could cancel the Bama series that they have lined up. I don't know what the hell they think they're doing with that, but they have a they have a home and home with. Well, Bama. They probably don't want to pay Bama to oh, to cancel that. That's a thing. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Cole, oh, it's one hundred percent Oklahoma. Okay. No, no argument for me on that. Okay, we're green too much here. Uh, I don't know. The only thing I had, just real quick here, uh, two meltdowns that I witnessed on Saturday: South Alabama against UCLA. They they try. I mean, they they're up in the fourth quarter. They're about to extend the lead. They try a f- fake field goal where the ball snaps seven yards backwards, just leaving the poor holder out to dry there. Or South Florida is driving with 44 seconds left, down three in the swamp. They have second and six at the Florida 19. They snap the ball over Bohannon's head. Then they have third and 20, and they they run like a draw that goes for two yards and then a bad snap on the field goal, and bada-bing, bada-boom, they lost. So worst meltdown there out of those two. I'll say the uh, USF one because I wasn't even aware of the South Alabama one. <laughs> oh, it, it was it was horrendous. I don't know. To me, that one was worse because it, it, what do you? At least South Florida's like mistakes happen. You can snap the ball over the guy's head, bad play call, whatever. But like you talk about bad play calls, they're lining up for a field goal to extend the lead to five. I think it would have been if they hit the field goal, and it was fourth and short and they run a fake where the ball's been snapped seven we complain about k-state lining up in shotgun on fourth and one my god if it's like fourth and two and you're you're running the fake from having it snap back to the holder i just i don't know what you're doing there don't know what you're doing with that so i thought that i thought that was the worst the worst meltdown uh i forgot to check with you guys on this before the podcast actually started but we have our lead pipe locks of the week i know that i'm I know that I'm one and two. I just barely got, 
Iowa through like a driving storm, just barely scored enough points to kill me on the on the cover there as they won by I think 27 and it was it was plus 23 that I had Nevada on. So I know I'm one and two. I don't remember what you guys did last week. What I lost. I'm, I'm two and one now. I, I had Notre Dame, and apparently they wanted to struggle against Cal because Notre Dame's just not good this year, apparently. Oh, boy, that was a struggle. Uh, I had the uh, Houston KU over at 57 and a half, and that, that covered easily. All right. So Cole and D.Y. are two and one. I'm one and two. Does anybody want to start this week instead of me with their uh, lead pipe lock of the week? Yeah, I'll start. I got the helmet, too. I got Stanford. Washington puts <laughs> a lot of themselves. <laughs> Why do you have a Stanford helmet? I got it this week. I'm just trying to get a bunch of helmets. <laughs> I got Stanford. Washington thinks a lot of themselves. I think people are singing their praises uh, a little too much. I'm trying to forget what the line was even. Stanford plus 12 and a half. I, I'm, I'm just looking for D.Y. to become our Lee Corso and like start putting on the mascot. <laughs> He's going to start putting on the mascot head every time he does his lead pipe pick of the week. Stanford plus 12 and a half. We're going to have to start doing three-mall game day on site, have D.Y. People, put on the gear. People, Nobody thought Washington was going to be this good to begin the year. I think that now they're overinflated. And I like Stanford at home. Yeah, Stanford home plus 12 and a half. By the way, have you have – you, just thrown that Tulane helmet in the trash yet that you had last week? No, I, can, I don't think I, I can look at it because I'm keeping it. But guess what? Kansas State has a chance this week because Old Glory is back. <laughs> We're not wearing alternate no, gear. Yeah. No more uh, of these. Yeah. Look, I, I am as ardent a guy as possible. <laughs> on, like uniforms do not affect performance, but I don't at this point. I, there's whatever. a hex. the crowd that wants to complain about it, just whatever. I, I bought in, uniform. like, I, I'm also pro uniform, and now I'm like, get them away, give us uh, yeah, power cat uh, all day. I don't, I don't blame the coaches if they go away from it because <laughs> those guys did not. You need to come out and play inspired football when you get the opportunity to wear them, and you come out flat like that, you, you don't really deserve to wear them. Because what it, it was, there was a Baylor game in 2019, it was West Virginia in 2019. Navy. Navy. Navy, that's right. And then Tulane. I mean, this is not – Baylor was pretty good. This has not been murderer's row. Uh, so so let's let's add that up, John. With the alternate uniforms, they score 12 points against Baylor. They score 10 offensive points against Navy. They score 10 against Tulane. And then the West Virginia game, the Dalton Schoen touchdown on the first play, and then they score 13 the rest of the game. Seems like the uh, – the offense likes to lay some duds when they wear the alternates. Only let the defense wear the alternate. Put oh, the like offense that. in a different. I like that. You talk about getting some pub for yourself, like roll out with the hype video. Like it'll have like Felix rocking the, the alternate uniforms. Then you have like Adrian Martinez come out just like in the traditional uniforms. Like this is There what you go. It'll be like the black shirts when Nebraska was actually good at football. You know, you gave some of those good defensive players black shirts. We'll just have the defense wear a different uniform. Yeah. I'm sure that's legal. Okay. We sound uh, so old. Boo hoo. New uniforms are dumb. Dude, I I am uniform guy. I yeah, want I know. Me too. I, but, but we sound just oh and four now under I whatever, man. You guys, you guys can have it. You guys can have it. Cole, you have your you have your lock of the week. Washington State plus six and a half at home against Oregon. Oregon coming off a huge win. Washington State's already won at Wisconsin. I really like their quarterback, Cam Ward. I really like Washington State's coach, um, the interim coach they hired, even though I'm blanking on his name right now. Maybe D.Y. can you fill like it him, in. Though. Oh, I really like him, but I can't name him. <laughs> I'm really on my game. Uh, <laughs> I'll Google yeah. it for you. Uh, um, Kyle Smith. Kyle. No, that's that's basketball, basketball. D.Y., you idiot. <laughs> that's Kyle Smith. Kyle, that could be anybody. Kyle so, Smith. How bad is that? That I know well, I know Jake Washington Bigger. State's basketball coach as soon as DUI says it, but uh that might say yeah, I was Jake, on some Jake late Dickert. night. Jake Dickard. How did I forget that name? Uh mm. all right. I'm well, pretty sure Kyle Smith lives in the apartment right next to me, Cole. I don't know that that's a bad He also coach. coaches the Washington State Cougars basketball team. Okay. Yeah, I knew I knew Kyle Smith probably meant that I've been on too many late night Pac-12 Washington State games in Pullman uh in basketball. Anyways, yeah, I'm taking the Cougars to uh, to cover. I actually, I think you take the money line in that game, I guys. Saw, I actually looked at the outline, um, like I said before. Kurt's actually had two, so I'll give him another one as well. I like Marshall, minus three and a half against Troy. Troy's coming out with a heartbreaker oh against boy, Appalachian yeah, that was State. Rough. Yeah, so give me Marshall, minus three and a half. 
Well, I, I was having a hard time deciding here. I have two that I like. Really, I have three that I like because the other one is I just didn't. I'm like, look, I, I'm already talking about him too much. I, Kansas minus seven. Feel, I mean, Duke. Duke is a fraud. Uh, like Duke is not good. Duke, I don't know where and why. You know where the value is at in that one, though. Not to cut you off, but Duke money line actually. Uh, you know, I don't actually know I, if John. That's the value. Is John actually going to be at Tanner's on Saturday with me, or is he going to be in Lawrence cheering on his Jayhawks? Yeah, he's wearing his crimson just, blue. Credit where it's due, man. I don't. They look really good. They've gone on the road he's, he's and going beaten the Johnny's preseason top twenty-five team, and Duke has beaten Northwestern and then two Rummies. I don't, I don't see it, man. And Kansas is gonna look. I see. Shout out to the Ain't No Seats pod, Cole. How about that? I see Braden out there buying like a thousand tickets to the game and just giving them away. I, they're gonna have a lot of people in the stadium. I don't, I don't know. Is It'll he really? That was really bad. I, yes. I didn't know they were doing that. Yes. And Travis Goff, Travis Goff was like tweeting at him saying, we're going to help you out. I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, that's happening, man. Uh, okay. So the, the two that I have that I can't decide between, I'm going to roll with this one because this line seems really weird to me. And these are the ones that always get my attention where I'm like, I'll just lean into it. But Texas A&M is a one and a half point favorite against Arkansas. That's, that's a Jerry world, right? So I, that seems like a weird line to me. I would think Arkansas would be the favorite there. I think they're a much better team. I would take Arkansas to win that game, but I'm going to go Texas A&M for my official pick because it smells like a weird line. I don't think it's a weird line. You think A&M is yeah. a better team than Arkansas? Yeah, I'm not going to overreact one game at Appalachian State. I mean, A&M is one of the most talented teams in the country. Jimbo Fisher is still a guy that can coach a little bit. They don't have a quarterback. Well, but, John, did you see what They beat Arkansas Alabama. Was that calls the did, did you uh did you see what Arkansas did against Missouri State? They were down ten with nine minutes yeah, left. Yeah, but let's, 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 not, let's not overreact to one game, Cole. I just heard that from a wise man. Also, also well, that was that was there was a lot happening there. That was Bobby Petrino. Okay, he came in highly motivated to win on that his game. motorcycle. Like, a game that they should have never scheduled. They could have Petrino could have done the you know the old Willie skits where he would like you know, like Harley Day. He'd roll out there <laughs> on a motorcycle. Arkansas should have had Harley Day. For, <laughs> For Bobby Petrino, <laughs> what's like the funniest thing you've ever said? What 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 school is doing? Uh, what school is doing Family Day for when Missouri State comes to town? Was it Arkansas? Isn't that what Arkansas did? They hosted oh, did they, 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 they hosted it as that? Family Day, which I is you know, know what happened with Bobby Petrino and uh, you know okay that not, that's not necessarily that's, a Family Guy. Yeah, that's that's good work if they did it. All right, so I'm look, I'm locked in. A and M's A and M's my pick. I mean, I feel horrible about having to put my faith in Jimbo. But the other one I thought is like TCU minus two and a half at SMU. I I know I kind of scoffed at, at TCU week one against Colorado, and they are atrocious. I see people jumping on board with me now that they're the worst power five football team in the country. But I think TCU's legitimately a better team than SMU. And that game means a lot to Sonny Dykes. Uh, the SMU defense didn't look very good last week against Maryland. Like, I would think TCU wins that game, too. It might so. mean a lot to Sonny Dykes, but that'll mean a lot to SMU, too. Those games are notoriously tight. So Yeah. Okay. All right. Being hard scoring. Nobody, nobody, nobody ever likes my picks, and I guess that's why I'm one and two. So uh, <laughs> take that for what it's worth. What do you, uh, do you like his pick, Cole? I do not. I probably would lean toward TCU in that game. I'm – I'm looking forward to watching Baylor Iowa State at 11 a.m. on Saturday. That's going to be a fun one. I'm going to have multiple TVs set up for that those morning kicks. All right. Well, I'll look forward to you showing up in your Iowa State polo next week, Cole. You know, I'll just rock my, I'll rock my rock chalk shirt, and uh, you can have your Matt Campbell polo. I don't have uh, a Baylor or Iowa State mini helmet yet. My uh, my Matt Campbell Iowa State jersey is 75. Is That's it all black too? 75. <laughs> John gets it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. Uh, prediction time. Prediction time. Look, I I just my optimism for the offense is not high. I'm going to take Oklahoma 27 to 13. It's a it's a lower scoring game than what Vegas expects. The over under is at 53, but I I, I don't think the K State defense is going to get gashed. But I think they'll be put in some bad spots, and I'll, I'll take the Sooners by 14. I also think the Kansas City defense is going to be put in some bad spots. And Oklahoma's offense is good. No matter how good your defense is, if the offense is that good, they're going to score. And that's the case, in my opinion, when it comes to Oklahoma. I also like the idea, because it needs to happen, of Adrian Martinez being aggressive. I think this is a pretty problematic first game to do that in, because I think Oklahoma can make you pay. 
And he's certainly been a little reckless when he's been aggressive before. I, I think an aggressive Adrian Martinez is good for Kansas State. I'm just not sure that it's a good recipe Saturday against Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma 35-13. Wow. Wow. Uh, so I've got I've got Oklahoma 34, K-State 24. And I think K-State is going to come up with a big special teams play in this game, which is going to produce some points or put K-State in a favorable spot to score. So I do think K-State has a special teams advantage and think they'll come up big after not really doing anything against Tulane. I think the offense will look somewhat better, uh, but it's going to be a, I mean, it's going to be a struggle. Oklahoma's defense has been really solid. Venables is going to have a scheme dialed up to take away Deuce Vaughn um, and their offense has some dynamic playmakers. We didn't even talk about Marvin Mims, who's averaging 22 yards a catch since great. the start of la- last year. Eric Gray, Tennessee transfer from a couple years ago that's got over 2,000 yards in his career and is averaging almost eight yards per carry uh, this year and nearly 300 yards on the ground. So they, they're they a balanced attack. I mean, they've thrown for nearly 800 yards. They've ran for over 700. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's, it's certainly going to be a challenge. The K-State – offense is going to have to allow the defense to get some breathers and, and they got to come out early and can make some plays offensively. I, I just think it's a terrible matchup for K-State. And that was kind of the reason for my score being the way that it is. Um, just trying to do something that you haven't done yet this year against the team. that it's probably not advantageous to do it against. I think Oklahoma's good enough to still score on Kansas State. I just don't like it. It's one of those things where I think it's going to be one thing or another, which is kind of how the series has been. I think it's going to be K-State getting blown out or K-State probably just winning. I don't think it's going to be in between. Well, there you have it. K-State and Oklahoma coming up on Saturday. And uh, if you are listening to this right now, you live in Manhattan or within earshot of Manhattan, uh, come and see us at Tanner's. We'll be there at 6 o'clock. Uh, for some pregame action, then do a postgame show live. So you have a chance to uh, meet us, hang out at Tanner's, which, again, to me, is the best place in Manhattan to watch a game. That was always my favorite spot to go watch Chiefs games when I was still living in Manhattan and, and covering the team. So uh, come say hello to us. Stock up on your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon and your 360 vodka and support Holiday Distillery. We appreciate you guys, as always. It's going to wrap it up for us. We'll see you on Saturday and talk to you more on Saturday around the K-State-Oklahoma game. For Tucker Franklin behind the scenes, John Kurtz, Cole Manbeck, Derek Young. We'll see you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.